Hello, hello. Hey up, what's up, what's good? Que cosa sucede? Ni hao, Puviet. Welcome to the Any Given Runway Show. I'm your host, Randall Carlton Green. Any Given Runway celebrates the exploration of new cultures by highlighting some of the most interesting, intellectual, and artistic people in the world. Everyone has a story. Each person a scholar. We have an excellent episode for you today with a wonderful pair of guests, Sarah Vitort and Scott Gilmore, who each make up one half of the talented musical duo Fox and Bones, join the show. Great to be back. We had a week off, a little bit of the American Independence Day, and also needed time to enjoy the unforgettable journey of the Euro football tournament. Our English lads were unforgettable, and it was a memorable couple weeks. But we're back. We're back with a, a new episode. And today's conversation is incredibly enjoyable, as we had two guests, Sarah and Scott, who make up the modern vintage duo Fox and Bones. Sarah and Scott formed Fox and Bones in 2016, and we're in the studio recording their debut record, The Remarkable Adventures of, just a few short weeks after their initial meeting. Their early offerings were both honest and raw, a blend of gentle folk with subtle instrumental backing. This led to several U.S. and European tours before a second studio album emerged in 2018. Their sophomore collection, Better Land, showed an influx of modern folk pop trappings as the influences of producer Dominic Schmidt and engineer Matt Greco began to blend with tour-worn stylings that were born from life on the road. Which brings us to the charm, their 2021 record, American Alchemy. I enjoyed this album immensely. The collection of songs finds Fox and Bones fully formed with elements of folk, pop, Americana, and soul-fused lyricism joined together in an amalgamation of modern vintage goodness. With the guidance of producer and engineer Matt Greco, American Alchemy is the final iteration that the duo has been striving towards since they first chimed their way into each other's lives so many years ago. On today's conversation, Scott and Sarah chat about the songwriting process and where they find creativity, and they also reflect on how they feed off each other as a duo. We chat about their album, American Alchemy. And finally, we chat about another Fox and Bones creation, the Portland Folk Festival, and why Sarah and Scott are so proud of its genesis. Really, really such a fun conversation. I love the album, American Alchemy. I know the second time through, I was already singing along. It's very catchy, and it's such a myriad blend of types of music. And we're going to start off the episode by playing a sample of a track, The Changing of the Guard. And towards the end of the episode, you'll hear another song from Fox and Bones called Already Here. And there's many opportunities to catch Fox and Bones on stage. This weekend, you can find them at the Alberta Street Pub in Portland, Oregon. And throughout the next couple months, they'll be on many different stages in the Pacific Northwest. And I encourage you to guys to get out there and check them out. Excited for everyone to meet them. So let's go ahead and bring on the talented duo, Fox and Bones, Sarah Vitort, and Scott Gilmore. And let's learn. Alarm. 
It's just the changing of the guard Changing of the guard It starts with one voice All alone in the crowd Equipped with a vision for the world And the courage to testify out loud And just as that soul box Starts to feel too high Someone slips their hand in yours And that dream is amplified And they all start to gather around What once was two is ten thousand now Stronger together than apart An army of incendiary hearts Spark the change into the guard First of all, I'm just curious on, for both of you, what were your earliest musical influences? And I want to start with, what was the first concert you each attended? Ooh, boy. Um, I'd have to think about it. Scott, do you have an answer? I have uh, the first concert that I really remember was I was visiting, I grew up in the Bay Area, in the East Bay, and I was visiting my grandma who lived in Beaverton, Oregon. Uh, and my cousin somehow won tickets to a show called The Big Stink 2, which was a big concert that was held. Like she just won, she called in the radio, she won the concerts, and we, so we got backstage passes to go see, I think at the time it was like Moby, uh, Deftones, um, Three Doors Down, I think, and all, all the kind of popular artists of the time, and just as a, as a young kid sitting backstage just being blown away, like, oh, this is, this is, it's something different. This is a new, this is a new experience that, um, that I had not thought possible in middle school. Awesome. That's, that's a great combination too. Um, yeah, mine are, I think my early, cause my parents wouldn't really let us go to concerts when I was really young, but my dad worked for the radio station mm. and they put on a concert every summer called the last chance summer dance. And it was at the end of the summer, right before school started. And it was always like, the newest pop artists that had just hit like one single or two singles. Um, and so I think the first time we went, um, Christina Aguilera had just mm. released Jeannie in a bottle and yeah. she was the headliner. And uh, we, my dad went backstage and got her autograph for us. And like, it was a very, very special experience. Um, also it was just kind of like one of those first like summer festivals where everyone's outside and we felt special cause we got to sit in the VIP section and we were like, I was like, you know, eight and felt, really cool yeah. um so yeah that was for me and you know along the same lines you asked what our musical influences were and like obviously i grew up very much on pop music um yeah so i listened to all of the like teen the boy bands and the teen pop queens and uh later moved into country but throughout that you know my parents always like made sure we knew their music too and i think that's what's informed a lot of fox and bones style um is kind of that more like 60s 70s mm -hmm. 80s kind of classic rock singer songwriter you know obviously like the beatles and um you know all those bands and so uh yeah, I kind of have like this dichotomy between the super pop and the super country and then also yeah. like the real retro like soul uh, filling stuff too. So and I know that's a little bit for Scott too. Yeah, what about you, Scott? What's uh, your musical influences growing up? Uh, yeah, when I was younger, I was definitely listening to the pop stations. I remember singing 
uh, salt and pepper with my mom driving around <laughs> the town and, and listening to a lot of, a lot of, a lot of kind of popular music. And then, uh, in high school when I started doing, uh, some more drugs, uh, I started listening to Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd and the Beatles. And that definitely continued on through college. And, and, uh, until now we kind of, our modern influences, uh, are kind of like the modern vintage sound, like Nathaniel Ratliff and the Night Sweats, Dawes, um, Lake, Lake Street, Street Dive. Dive. Yeah. That, that's interesting because I, I thought of Lake Street Drive while listening to the album. I, I don't nice. know why. I did, that wasn't intentional, but it was one of those ones where you're hearing a song, you're like, oh, I, I want to listen to them in a minute. So you put them on cue. Mm -hmm. So for whatever reason, what it was. So I want to talk okay. about the album. So American Alchemy, what were some of the challenges that come with recording and producing during the pandemic, during quarantine? And was there anything that actually was easier? So I think we were, we were lucky in the way that most of our bass tracks were down for the album. Like I think we had, we had most of the tracks where um most of the full band performances are down we did have a few that we added that you know it was difficult figuring out you know because we bring our musicians in and they don't we don't necessarily have the time we didn't have the time to practice or the ability to, to gather to practice and so we had to rely heavily on their their kind of ability to go in to feel the vibe and and to come up with these parts um without necessarily having you know the being able to be in the same room uh while recording it and what was the instrumentation for you, Scott? What, what are the instruments that you played on the album? Uh, so I played guitar, some acoustic guitar, and then vocals. Um, we have, uh, we, we're lucky enough to have uh, just a, a stellar guitar player, Matt Salinas, who, who did uh, almost all the electric guitar work. And then also a good amount of, of acoustic as well. Because if you just have, you know, if you have a musician that's just top notch, you know, I, I, I can seed my, my, my acoustic riffs over to him because he just does, he has such a good tone and, and a good feel and, and all, you know, it's just in the pocket. It's kind of a perfectionist. And so we know, you know, like for, uh, for a changing of the guard, uh, I had originally played the riff and then he came in and he kind of tweaked it a little bit to make it, to give it a little bit more space and to draw people in more and have a little bit more of a kind of a, a, a hold on the, on, on its particular place in the song. And, and so we love, love to see it, love to see it when, when they come in and just, you know, build on top of the base that you set. Sarah, for you, were there any frustrations of not being able to get out because of the quarantine and lockdown? Yeah, you know, I'm definitely like a, a doer. And so it was really hard at first. Scott and I were actually in the middle of a tour. Actually, we weren't even in the middle yet. We were three weeks into a three-month tour when COVID kind of shut everything down. We'd made it as far as San Diego and we're planning on heading across the country and instead headed back to my parents' house and hold up there for a while. And so, you know, obviously we had more than just like, oh, we don't have anything to do with our time. It was also like that was our income stream as well and that was where we lived we didn't have like our own place to come home to and so there were a lot of difficulties for sure um and with this album specifically um you know we had planned on releasing it in the fall of 2020 right before a, uh, a european tour and so we obviously when that tour was canceled we were like well i guess we don't need to release the album so in a way that was actually nice to because the difficulty of like getting people in the studio together and even just being in the studio at certain times um, was, was more difficult. It was nice to have a little extra time to like really make it good and, you know, account for all of the like social distancing requirements and all that kind of stuff. So there were, there were positives and negatives. I think one of the other positives was that we were really go, go, go for the last four years before the pandemic hit. And we were just like constantly touring constantly, you know, like so much so that it was even hard to find time to write. 
Um, and when the pandemic hit, it kind of forced us to slow down and take stock of what we wanted to spend our time doing and come up with other ideas for how to make a living. And so um, it kind of forced us to, to be creative, but also to rest, which we just really needed. Seems in today's world, the album has lost a little bit of its luster because people just want to have playlists and they, a lot of artists will just release a bunch of singles and throw them onto an album as their compulsory album that was required. But one thing I loved about yours is it felt organized from the top to the bottom. There's an incredible amount of diversity. Each song had something different that it highlighted and focused. And I love just the full album aspect of it. So, sir, what type of planning did you guys have in the order of the tracks? So it's interesting that you say the thing about singles because we kind of did that for this album a little bit. We started releasing singles. Uh, I think the first one came out summer of 2019 and then fall of 2019 and then spring of 2020. And then it slowed down a little bit because of the pandemic. But we kind of had this idea, you know, when we first started writing those singles, we were focusing on writing singles. And then we kind of crafted the album around that. And it, it almost not even intentionally, it just so happened that those first singles we released really truly fit into the, the sonic and lyrical concepts of this album. And so it really worked out. Um, just and I, I think Scott and I both knew that like this third album that we were gonna do like it we we were really needing to find our sound we were really like wanting it to be cohesive so we did have a lot of intention around it and I think that's why it came together the way it did but Scott I'll let you continue on that train of thought <laughs> yeah well well the I'm hoping the reason that it, that it that it kind of has this feel and this flow is because we spent you know a year we had a year where we could really figure out where do the songs go like what message do we want to say what start what's like what you know what's the thesis of this album like how do we have it like a like a well-written paper with an introduction kind of like supporting songs supporting paragraphs and a conclusion in there and and so we had a year to you know almost drive ourselves crazy figuring out how to present these songs. And I think the diversity of it comes from just us having our hands in so many different musical pots and influences. I, I know we're, we're inspired by a lot of different things. And so we want to explore folk, we want to explore rock, we want to explore soul. But we, I think the thing that sets this album apart from previous albums is that we have um, the same band and the same working throughout it and so the feel of the whole album there's like a hopefully a thread that goes through it where all the songs though kind of different in content and in structure have like a energy or a vibe that cocoons them and ties them all together throughout i did feel that and for me dancing the aisles i think second time around i was already singing a catch along with that it was just so damn catchy and uh, already here I love the writing on that. I love the story that, that came with that. It was, it was incredible balance of tracks. I really enjoyed it from top to bottom. And you mentioned just the amount of shows you guys have been doing. Five years, over 564 shows. When you look back, what, what is it that makes for a memorable show? I know they all probably blend in together, the nights and the locations, but what is it that makes a certain performance stand out emotionally? Yeah, I mean, I know that like for us, uh, an intimate setting, um, well, at least most of the touring that we do is just the two of us. And so when it's just the two of us, the most important thing I think is, is intimacy because our part of our stage show, it really is in the storytelling and it's in the quirky banter that Scott and I have between songs, just as much as it's about the songs itself. And that's something that we've worked to craft. Um, and so when we have an attentive audience, 
um, that's kind of on our level. You know, if we're on a giant stage with loud sound and they're way down here, it's harder to connect. Um, so like places like house shows and smaller venues where people are seated um, and they, you know, paid to be there and they're listening to the lyrics and the stories that we tell. Um, there's an energy to that that uh, really lifts us up. Um, and then for me, you know, I really like the full band setting. I really like to rock out and like do the, you know, the big sound. And we don't do that as often, but um, pretty much every time we do that, it's, it's good for me. I, I really enjoy that. So it's kind of a combination of both. Scott, with this grind that you guys have had, it, it takes a lot on you mentally. I know you love what you're doing and this is the, the world you want to be in music wise and, and you enjoy it, but it is a grind and it can be work at times. So how do you keep yourself in the right frame mentally? What are the mental health practices you do during the, during the week to make sure that A, you're in the right frame of mind for a performance, but B, that you're not getting yourself burned out? Well, I think, um, I think the pan, uh, you know, there are silver linings to, to the pandemic and that, that's, we were, we were burning ourselves out. I think we, the past few years, like we're, you know, we'd moved out from our homes onto the road, which means we just had like our homes were each individual spot we'd stop at. And so I think from that, we, we've definitely learned that, you know, we need to give ourselves break breaks in between and figuring out ways to establish good uh, healthy habits because it's tough if you're touring in some of the the southern state, states the greenest thing you can eat is you know fried chicken like that's our that's your apple you better you better get your healthy healthy food while you can and so um i think if doing our best to establish good habits during shows and not during shows making sure to to value our time which i think we and when we first started touring we didn't at all we just because you have to kind of establish a route and so we take any gig any pay, make it work, get the connections and, and keep going, whatever to, could put gas in the tank. But as I think like valuing our time has been the biggest change for us. It's that we don't, if it's a show that's not going to, uh, it, it has to either like fill us up spiritually or monetarily. And if it's not hitting either of those bars, then we don't, we don't have to do it. And I think that's been the biggest change where, you know, where we can keep, keep our joy and our love, for music without getting burned out and then also be able to afford afford rent. Sarah, on the night of a show, are there any certain practices that you do to make sure that you are calm and focused and in the right frame of mind? I it's it's funny, like I know there's things that I should do, you know what I mean? And then I that I don't. Like I really should be warming up and like drinking hot tea. And you know, honestly, like it's it's become such a job in certain ways that I just, we just kind of show up and do it. And so I almost like forget the self-care aspects, but there is a lot that I do, you know, just on a daily basis to kind of, um, you know, keep my self-care up, like just, you know, meditating or exercising, all of those things I really do feel like help, um, you know, just the mindset for when you're going into a show. Um, and yeah, eating, eating healthy and all that kind of thing. Um, but I think when we're on the road and especially when we're in Europe, because Europe is an extra stress just because we're always, you know, talking to people whose English is their second language and we don't know their language. And, you know, we're the, the price of interactions is like higher, like more taxing. Um, having space alone, like having a green room before the show is, is vital. I mean, a lot of times we don't have it. And so it'll be the car or it'll be somewhere else. But sometimes it's just a matter of like having our own space to just like play on our phones without feeling bad for not, you know, 
interacting um, and interacting is part of the, sh a part of the deal, but it's nice to be able to like, okay, when we take a break, then we can interact or when we have if the shows over, then we interact. But before the show to have space to be on our own is nice. Well, then the album taught me some of the other mental health practices, right? That you can learn it from Reddit and then it was probably just gout. So that was <laughs> yeah. Yeah. more that you learned along the way. <laughs> Lots it was health advice. Yeah, it was interesting that you both brought up the Beatles as influences because I heard that as well because of both the fact that both of you are singing and there were times you guys are in great dual harmony, but also times where it was almost in a way like competitive. And when I think back to the Beatles, I know that Paul and John, they respect each other, but there was a little bit of competition. So when you guys are writing and come up with a song, is there a little bit of competition in the sense of, hey, I got, I got the next hit or <laughs> I love what you did. I got to top that. I don't think so. Especially, <laughs> like we've definitely time. had... We've definitely had times, but I don't even think it was like, like I've, I've more, if anything, like struggled with my confidence. And so feeling like my songs weren't as good as Scott's or feeling like I needed to hide my ideas because they weren't as good. Um, and I think now that I have more confidence, I think it's more collaborative. Um, I'm a competitive person by nature. So it used to, it used to bother me a lot more. Like if his song got more attention than mine, um, or his line people liked, you know what I mean? Or like his line was better than my line. So we changed the line and like that used to bother me a lot. And now I think it's just like, I think we've both, um, set aside more of the ego for like what's best for the project. And I think part of that has been, you know, our own individual journeys, but also part of it has been finding our sound and knowing what actually is best, you know, cause before it's like, maybe I'm writing a line that sounds too country when we're trying not to be too country. And, you know, it's, it's more about like, what's the best thing for the song? What's the best thing for the album? What's the best thing for us as a project rather than like a me versus Scott type of thing. Yeah. Scott, any elements of a competition? Uh, not necessarily competition. I think, I think we had, I think probably in the middle, middle of it, we had, you know, times where we weren't synced up. And I think it's just more, more with this album and this time in our career, I think we believe in each other's skill fully. And so I think that was there definitely at the very beginning, we had a hundred percent belief in each other. And then, um, and I think it's definitely here on this record. And that's what has really made the difference is that it's, you know, like I, I, I know that Sarah knows what she's doing. She knows that I know what I'm doing and that we believe that what the message and the lyrics that we're trying to say and the thing we're trying to say is authentic and coming from our heart. And so it's, we, we let that, let that breathe. And I think that's where, why this album came together so well, because it's not us trying to say things through someone else's voice. It's us both stepping into it equally and both us, us both supporting each other in that. What about the writing process for you when you're writing a song, Scott? Do you sit and say, hey, I'm going to hammer it out. I'm going to write a song right now. Or do you let it come to you? And I know you've got a crazy schedule. So at times it could be hard to find those blocks of time. I found that I'm most inspired when there's a clear path to a song being recorded. And so like if we either have a studio session or if, or if we want to release a single, then, it's, then it, I find it easy to, to sit down and have a song done in a day. And then I'll go for months without even attempting to write one if there's not necessarily a place for it because if I, I i think things change and people change and 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 ideas change so much that writing a song and then sitting on it for months doesn't it almost feels like it doesn't it doesn't inspire me and so like once like we're i think we're gonna fairly soon here now that this album's done going to at some point I have to start thinking okay well what's the next album what's the next song we're gonna write and i think that's when the floodgates will open, but until till then, I'm just uh, enjoying <laughs> enjoying the uh, 
time off from feverish creation, I suppose. Sarah, when you're writing, where do you find inspiration? Where do you find creativity? You know, I, I really have to kind of trust the flow because forced creativity, like forcing myself to sit down and write or, um, you know, I, that can be really hard for me. Um, and so like lately I've been having more inspiration here and there. And, uh, I'll, like mostly I've been finding that melodies are coming to me in like the hours before I wake up. So like, I don't know if you guys have this, but when usually in the couple hours before I wake up, I'm like in and out of dream state. Mm -hmm. And it's sometimes hard to tell if I'm in reality or not. I have a lot, like a very, there's like a very thin veil. And a lot of times, like it's happened to me like three times just in the last week where a melody is coming, is happening in my dream. And if I can like wake myself up and record it, um, I've done that a couple of times. I'm like, oh, this actually might like be something. And the other morning I like did that, recorded the melody and then kind of went back to sleep and like woke up with like a whole like verse and a half just like ready to go. Um, and I've found that the, the songs that, um, of mine that have been the best are ones that just kind of like, are like a download that it just comes kind of in one big piece. And yeah, there's like, you know, little lot, you know, you have to change the lines here, but at least the concept and the melody comes and then I can fill in the details. Um, but if I'm trying, if I'm like sitting down with no ideas, no melodies, no concepts, and I'm trying to like come up with one, it's really, really hard for me to do. Yeah. So I kind of have to like, uh, like trust the flow which is not something that's easy for me to do but um it's like definitely resulted in, in my best work scott what about when you're choosing the final version of a song because i know you're doing many different takes uh first of all how many takes do you categorize how many do you keep and not throw away because i i listened to a recent interview with the counting crows lead singer and he said they they couldn't nail the song but when they went back and listened to take 37 whatever it was they were like that's it that's the one we got to get back to so for you how many takes do you keep and then what are some of the elements that you look for for that final cut? I think this is where we're lucky to be working with someone like Matt Greco, who we've worked with for this record and the previous record, where, you know, we, as, as far as the, the final product of, of the song, we kind of believe in the same way that we support each other and in, in, in our, in our lyrical kind of efforts. Like we, we have that same voucher support for Matt on, on the musical side of it. And so he, he really, he kind of, uh, orchestrates a lot of the musicians who would be who come in and then he he kind of quarterbacks a lot of those uh, a lot of those tones and so we we trust him to get the best out of us that that we know he can and then we would then trust him to kind of steer the ship as far as um you know the output of songs go and and if there's any you know little things here or there like we we you know we have all creative control in that aspect but just the work that he does is so um I don't know. It, it just is exactly what we've been looking for. And so I think stepping back and letting people be experts in, in their field is really, you know, at the heart of this is that we, he's the expert at producing. He's the expert at putting this together. We are the experts within our own avenue of creating the songs and bringing them in. And then I think the union of that is what makes the, hopefully makes the pro project what it is. Very cool. So what is the Portland Folk Festival and what inspired its creation? So, yeah, the Portland, Portland's Folk Festival, like, it started where we, you know, we've, we've been touring so much, we've been playing so many shows, and so had all, all of our, our favorite artists in Portland. We wanted to find a night where we could all come together and actually see each other's show and see each other's work and see each other's growth. And 
So we hosted it four or five years ago at a small venue in Portland and sold out and the just feeling of love and reciprocation and, and the amount of that we we're actually able to pay each musician who performed and, and just the, like the, the feeling of it was, was, you know, it just felt so right. And so we kept, we've been building it with, with McMinimins. So we went to uh, mission theater next year and then following year at crystal ballroom. And it the, just that the energy that it was based on of bringing musicians together, of bringing like friends together to appreciate each other's work has been, you know, at the, at the base of it. And I, I think is why it's been successful and why it's grown each year. Sarah, difficult year for many, and for you guys lived many different lives over this last year with the pandemic quarantine, releasing an album. So over the last 12 months, what do you feel is the biggest life lesson you've learned? Um, I think the, the biggest like, theme that has come into my life that I am still continuing to learn is learning how to rest and how to take time off and, and plan that in. Um, I can very easily fill my schedule with every single thing and not have any time for rest or reading or um, sleeping or whatever. So, um, you know, this year has taught me how important that is. And it's a, it's a constant practice to have to actually schedule in time to do nothing or time for self-care. Um, and now that things are coming back, I'm already seeing like my schedule filling up again. And, you know, I can, I'm like figuring out how to fit you know, I've already had like three appointments today or three meetings, you know, and it's kind of like, um, it, you know, it's just my nature to do that. And so I've learned how important it is to take time off and uh, am actively practicing on how to like continue that. Scott, biggest life lesson of the last year? You know, same, a similar, similar Sarah's I know, uh, you know, tend to do everything full, full speed. Uh, when I think life is in harmony when there's more of a balance. And so going from touring in pretty much every day of the year to having nothing was a very interesting transition where you realize like, okay, this is what life would be like without music, without this part of life. And, and, and getting, being able to experience fully what retirement was like for you know, a year and, and enjoying it as much as I could for the first months and then start like slowly transitioning to like, oh, to loving music again has been just like a, a, a really wonderful experience, like being able to fall in love with music because it's something that is, uh, fills me up uh, and instead of something that I felt like maybe previous years felt that we had to do to get by, like choosing, choosing, reala realizing that anything that we're doing, we're choosing to do. Like we are choosing either the good habits or the bad habits the positive and the negatives and that it's a choice that we're making and maybe realizing that and then treating it as such, I think, I think is probably the best, the, the biggest thing that I've learned in, in the past year. Another one of the projects you guys have is custom songs. So what is custom songs? And can you tell me about that? Yeah. So, uh, you know, obviously with the pandemic, taking away our main source of income, uh, we had to kind of get creative. And I've been hearing about um, custom songs for a while. And it's actually something that started because Scott wrote me a song for Christmas a few years ago, and it ended up on the album. And it was like a really beautiful song and just was so meaningful to me and such a meaningful gift. Um, and so kind of those two ideas came together and I was like, oh, we can do this. We already have done this before. Uh, let's like try our hand at you know, custom song commissions. So essentially what it is, is that, you know, people can hire us 
to write a song for them, whether it's a, you know, a wedding or an anniversary, an engagement, um, you know, the death of a loved one or a birthday milestone. I mean, it can literally be for any occasion that people want, but we basically sit down with the people and talk um, pretty in depth and ask them a lot of like different questions to kind of get the essence of who they are and who the song recipient is. And, um, and then we take those anecdotes and we put them into a song that's professionally recorded and mastered. Um, so that they have this keepsake that's, that's always theirs, but it's not just like we're making something up. It's like coming from their own stories and experiences, um, which kind of makes it very special. And so uh, I think we did four of them. We launched in August and we did four of those last year and uh, the reception was overwhelmingly positive. Um, and we've done a little less promotion since we had the album coming out. We've been focusing on that. But now that the album's back out, or now that the album's out, we're kind of um, pivoting back to offering that again as an option. So um, if people are interested in that, we have a separate website for that. It's ourcustomsong.com. And they can have, uh, they can actually book a free consultation with us so that they can get to know us. It's definitely not a, a cheap process um but it's something you know it's a, it's a keepsake uh and so we want to give people the option to chat with us and see if it's right for them and then if it is you know we have lots of different options for that mm -hmm. so um yeah i definitely encourage people if they're interested in giving that kind of gift it's really great for people who love music i mean if you've ever had a song written about you or wanted to have a song written about you you know like what it means to be someone's muse and so um yeah it's a really special thing I think it's a lovely idea, a wonderful idea. I think that a lot of people will be interested in that. So what's next? What are the upcoming shows that we can look forward to now that shows are being back in our lives? Upcoming shows and how can people follow you and stay up to date with Fox and Bones? Yeah, so we're playing a lot of shows around Oregon this summer, mainly, um, especially in the next month or so. Uh, but we do have uh, kind of like a delayed CD release show at Alberta Street Pub, uh, which is here in Portland, and that'll be a ticketed show. Um, they're always really fun. Um, I'm pretty sure it's the 16th or the 17th of July. Scott, do you know exactly? I know it's one, it's the Friday or the Saturday of that weekend. I think it's the Friday. Um, Friday of that weekend. So all of our shows are on our website, foxandbones.com, as well as our Facebook. Uh, we will also be taking trips out to like Montana and up into Washington. And then in the fall, we'll do a California trip. Um, and so mostly staying on the West Coast this year, but we are quite busy and have lots and lots of shows. So if people want to come see us anywhere in the Northwest or the West Coast, um, definitely check out our uh, our website to figure out where we're going to be. Um, that's foxandbones.com. We're at, at foxandbones, all of our social media. And then we're on streaming. Uh, if you search Fox and Bones on any streaming site, you'll find us as well. And then our, our, big, our big show is uh, the Portland's Folk Festival, January 14th, 15th, and 16th at the Crystal Ballroom. My parents just got their three-day passes. So come on up if you want to meet, meet my folks. And, and we're, we're, we're just uh, finishing booking the lineup and that's, that's our, our little baby that's been growing every year. And so that, come on, come on, come on down. Come on, come on. Fantastic. I, I know I was looking at your guys' schedule and, and I've never been to Montana and I saw Bozeman pop up there and I was like, hmm, that would be an interesting, interesting trip. My final question is you both live in one of the greatest cities in the United States, Portland. So what's, uh, what's your voodoo donuts order? Oh my gosh. I'm embarrassed to say that I, oh, actually, no, I do know what I would order at Voodoo Donuts. I'm gluten-free, so I can't have it, but um, they have like a blueberry muffin one that's kind of like, kind of like a curler and it's got like the glaze on the outside, like that thick glaze and like all the blueberries in it. That's my favorite one. It's been a long I'm time. Definitely, definitely maple bacon. 
maple bacon. Okay. Yeah. I haven't been there in about a year, but there's long lines still, I'm guessing. I, Portland I, I loves heard, its lines. Yeah, Portland loves lines. In fact, I heard somebody say like, because uh, obviously during the pandemic, a lot of things were shut down and, um, you know, sometimes that made the lines longer because everyone had to wait outside. But I remember someone saying recently like, oh, I know things are opening back up because there's brunch lines again. Like I'm waiting two hours <laughs> in a brunch line. I'm like, oh yeah, I remember those days and I don't miss that at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now that we can door dash, we don't wait in any brunch lines. So. <laughs> This awesome. was great. This was Thanks, I, I, thanks so much. It was a lot of fun. Thank yeah, you. it really Thank was. You. Yeah, I had a great time. Looking forward to following you guys in the future and um, hope we chat again. I hope to see you again. Hopefully. Let's snag a donut. Yeah. Maple, maple bacon and the, the <laughs> gluten-free blueberry. Got to memorize. You got oh, it. Keep <laughs> us posted about your book coming out. Mm-hmm. I'd love to check it out. You guys will be in it. You guys will be in it. Nice. So, yeah. Perfect. <laughs> thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Wasn't that fantastic? For more information, check out foxandbones.com to see a list of their upcoming tour dates. And let me know if you plan on attending. Hopefully, we can cross paths at a Fox and Bones show soon. Be sure to give them a follow on social media. And stick around at the end of the episode to hear a sample of Already Here, my new book. Curiosity is currently available on Amazon. Curiosity celebrates the knowledge that strangers have to offer. Everyone has unique expertise and endless wisdom awaits the perpetually curious. Featuring 200 episodes from the Any Given Runway show, Curiosity explores the diverse lives of athletes, adventurers, and performers. From daring voyages across the Atlantic to unforgettable performances in the West End, Curiosity celebrates the sophisticated thing we call life. Everyone has a story. Each person is a scholar. Thank you for listening. Fill up that passport. I'll see you on the road. Adiento. Randall has become like, you know, New York's favorite son. It's gonna take your money Take all your pride And if you're lucky You play out enough to barely get by You'll be away from your home Yeah, your life becomes the road You gotta pay your dues Playing the empty rooms With people's backs to you Getting paid in moves Oh, you better love it too You finally start selling selling. A ticket or two And for the first time you got money and pride You can afford to lose Yeah, one night you're killing for an attentive crowd And the next The venue owner tells you To turn the fuck down You get used to being alone That when something starts to grow You play in the bedrooms Feel it close and blue Hey, have you heard the news? You might make it through Oh, you better love that Friends that-
sure how to take it We're already here 